Hello, and welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings toward our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hi, I am Chicky, and um, you are catching us on a very special episode of Close the Door and Come Here. This is our 200th episode that we completely forgot was our 200th episode <laughs> until very, very recently. <laughs> um, today I have with me um, Guile. Hi, I'm Guile, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Door Podcast. Um, I have Comma. Hi, this is Kama, and you can find me at Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. And we have returning guest Rachel. Hi, I'm Rachel, and you can find me at Rope Dart Raptor on Tumblr. Perfect. Well, welcome everybody to this um, very special non-special episode. Uh, <laughs> it's the best kind of special episode. <laughs> best kind, the kind you didn't see coming. I'm so Thanks. honored to accidentally be on the anniversary episode. <laughs> We're we're very happy that we accidentally placed you on this episode. (laughs) It's not like we could have seen it coming from the progressively getting closer (laughs) to the number episodes. (laughs) wasn't wasn't like it was counting right up to it. No. Um, Unfortunately, Lot was supposed to be on this episode, but she and her entire family are under the weather. So I am filling in his mod, which is just somehow fitting that it would be me of all people to moderate this thing because I'm so good at moderating. Um, anyway, we actually aren't doing anything special. We're just doing another Tyrion <laughs> chapter. We're still in Clash of Kings. <laughs> <laughs> and this is uh, Tyrion 6 this week, I hope. Um, that yes. is the one that I read, at least. I yes, know. that's <laughs> the one I, I read. So I vote that's the one we do, whether or not we're supposed to be. <laughs> As long as we're all on the same page, I guess we could put an episode together. Um, okay, so I will jump right in. So <laughs> this has got to be one of the best openings ever. So Lancel is giving Cersei like a private concert in her bedroom. <laughs> and Tyrion um, bursts in on her. I mean, like, seriously, is this not the best thing that you've ever read? <laughs> it's like some A Time for Change Peter Brady thing. Don't you get a picture of that? <laughs> With his, like, fuzzy mustache and stuff. Oh, my God. Now I can't get out of it. Dang, thanks. Oh, God, help us all. <laughs> I, I did wonder, I mean, there is that whole thing, like, I've it always baffled me, but, like, you'll read in a lot of accounts of medieval history, you know, how monarchs would be, like, you know, basically having, like, doing business from bed. And, you know, having audiences with all sorts of people. And perhaps that's what George was getting at. I mean, it always sounded kind of stupid to me to begin with. But (laughs) I kind of wondered if that's where that was coming from. Even like in Thor Ragnarok, where Loki's disguised as Odin and is just like chilling out in front of the play. I was thinking of one of the the French kings, but sure. (laughs) I mean, you know. Oh, whatever, sure, actual historical... No Thor spoilers! <laughs> Don't worry, that's like the first 12 minutes of the film. Oh. Also, can I, just, can I just thank you guys 
for uh, floating the Tyrion subconscious attraction to Cersei's stuff in the last couple of episodes because I can't like <sighs> unread it now. So oh, when he's sorry. like describing how beautiful Cersei is on the on her. I'm imagining a chaise. I don't know if that was. Yeah, I am too. Like her lounging on the chaise lounge yeah, with the with the grapes. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. just like, yeah. Now I, now I can't unsee that. So thanks, guys. <laughs> now I'm like, extra you're welcome. Down. And Tyrion's already super gross. He's like super gross. I love the moment where um, he's like, "Is this the Cersei that yeah. Jamie gets to see?" Which kind of backs up that thought. Nice and extra loaded. Thank you. Yeah. So he he has good news, at least. With right? the. Oh yeah, with yeah Renly and and Stannis deciding to go at it. Well, this was one of those moments that I like. This entire scene, I can't believe they didn't put in the show, because I mean, like just with Cersei, you know, the, the description of Cersei picking Tyrion up and spinning him around and you know laughing, and she has a great line where she's like. <laughs> They're fighting each other. Maybe Robert was the clever one. And, <laughs> and you know, like, that, and them having that moment and then Tyrion immediately turning around to poison her. Like, it's something that yeah. they had, again, they had the actors that would have fucking killed that scene. Like, there, like, I know there was another scene where Lena pushes Peter Dinklage, like, pushes him down. And it's like the shocking kind of physicality of the moment, and they play it so well. And this would have given them like the other side of that moment, and I think yeah. it would have been, you know, it would have been so shocking as a viewer to see them like laughing and hugging, and then to immediately go into Tyrion poisoning her. It would have just been like <laughs> the, it probably would have been the best scene of that season, to be honest. I mean, it just would have yeah. been like amazing, and I cannot believe that they. I mean, the only reason I can think of that they cut it is they didn't want to have Tyrion do anything quote-unquote bad. Yeah, also, maybe so they don't like diarrhea. Yeah, they, do like they might not have been well, as pro-diarrhea at that point as they are I now. I mean, cinematically, <laughs> it's it's never a really good, you know, it, it's not something you want to dwell on. And I think, I think they don't want to cut into, um, they don't like making Tyrion any kind of great. They, they don't like doing that. And also, I think they, maybe they thought it would be undignified to have Cersei, I don't know, basically on the toilet. Or at least you that know, would, character uh, dignity I think is they bad. had it be like a sleeping potion or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been, it would have been a nice scene. It would have bookended that other moment. Yeah. Plus, it's like, there's there's so, they really love making Cersei more sympathetic than she is. Uh in in the show i feel i mean well you know like they they like making her super evil evil queen but then you know she loves her children and they like playing that sympathetic card and i feel like if they wanted to find ways to sympathize her they could have used like the one moment in the book that's actually Mm -hmm. there yeah instead of going with the super you know trite oh well she's a mother so of course she really loves her children because you know women or whatever it is <laughs> i think you genuinely summed up the, their feelings on it like in that sentence <laughs> yeah, like a much. brilliant just a like, brilliant thank you, thank you. moment thank you that's yeah all all of my uh college education right there just distilled down all of my you know training in film criticism women yep hmm 
Well, so as you guys said, yes, um, Stannis has sailed to attack Storm's Ed, so they're happy because Renly and Stannis are fighting each other. And then, of course, Tyrion slips this, um, what we turns out to be, um, you know, Axlax, into Cersei's cup, which this is what he took from Pycelle's, like, office or whatever, right, a few yeah. chapters ago? Yeah, I, I think that's, I mean, you well, I think fans have gone deep down into, you know, everything else, as I think we discussed on another episode. But yeah, it sounds pretty much like he took a laxative from Pycelle. Well, and it's funny how he's thinking of himself, too, because, you know, at the very start of the chapter, Cersei tells Lance, oh, don't worry, you don't have to worry about Tyrion. He's not with, you know, his um, his wildlings. And he, I don't have to, you don't have to worry about him if he's alone. And, you know, and Tyrion's doing this. He's all like, oh, you don't have to worry about me when I'm alone. Like, he's all like <laughs> proud of himself inside about, like, how naughty he's being, basically. And he is being pretty naughty. Oh, he's, being, yeah. he's like super bratty little brother right here. Oh, this is, well, this is uh, assault, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe for a good cause, I guess. But... I mean, yeah, I mean, is I it like assault or is it... Is it standard little brother behavior, like, you know, X-Lax brownies and stuff? I mean, it's little brother behavior when you're 11. When you're in your 20s, it's assault. (laughs) Yeah. But I get why he's doing it. I understand the reason. I don't, I don't not understand. He's, he's got moves to make and he needs Cersei not interfering. Um, so we move on from here to, well, the next morning he finds out about the fact that Cersei's, um, on the toilet. <laughs> very happy about it and then um so he gets to go and um do the official audience with cleos and then send um his offer and it is very much his offer uh back to rob stark um what do we think of this scene what do we think of of um this whole offer that he returns i had forgotten most of this I mean, I remembered the business about the sword, like that that would be a final thing. I'd forgotten that they were talking about this in front of like, well, with the whole court there. And I had totally forgotten the offer of four Lannisters for two or what was it? Uh, Four Northmen for two Lannisters. I totally I blanked on all of this. This is all like I was reading it again for the first time. Well, I thought like the most I mean, the most unrealistic part of it was the, you know, Rob, you go back to Winterfell and give us your army. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) was just handed over to Jamie, right? Or, you know, whoever. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, essentially, it probably would have been Jamie. Like, I'm sure it'll be fine. You know, (laughs) like, that'll work out for everyone. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, obviously they don't want this to, I mean, like, obviously Tyrion's not, not interested in making the peace. No one's interested in making this peace. I don't even know why they're playing at it, really. But um, the one good thing that happens here is that he is going to return Ned's uh, bones. Um, it's interesting that he's talking about ice here. This just makes it so much more clear that Tywin just did it as just an absolute fuck you to the yeah, Starks. Yeah. That he melted it down. Bastard. Well, and I think Tywin had always wanted a Valerian steel sword and none of the other houses would sell him. He's got a perfectly good one. Why isn't he going to, I mean, of course he's going to use it. now he has two. Ha, yeah. ha, ha, ha. I mean, it's a fuck you and he gets what he's always wanted. <laughs> so, um, after this, um, then we, um, get the, uh, oh, and we also have in this scene, I should probably mention that 
Tyrion basically steals um, Cersei's um, little codger from the the city guards, and she he's sending them um, with uh, this envoy with Cleos back to um, River Run, and and all so that he can kind of disguise the fact that he's going to try to break Jamie out. Um, can I can I ask a quick question? Go for it. When the scene with like he mentions that he sent Bronn after a poisoner, a thief, a murderer, and a mummer. Do we know who those guys were? Because I don't... I mean, it sounded like Jack and, and gang, but that can't be right because people would have caught that. And is that... Like... Do you guys know what hmm. who these we people never, are? We never I didn't find out that. because they're, by the time we see them again, it's when Kat gets back to River Run and they're dead. So okay. we, we don't... You know, we never see... We never see the escape attempt. We only see these people like dead after the fact. But I don't know if it might be alluding to people that we know about. I don't actually know the answer to that. Yeah. Good point. I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, it's definitely I not. It's definitely not Jacken, but I don't know who it might be. I know. It's just like it was. It felt like you know, like the opening of Suicide Squad, where they're like, "Yeah, there's this guy, this guy, this dude, <laughs> this, this dude." It's the A team. Well, and like no, yeah. you know, and nothing, you know, nothing really, be- nothing comes of it at all. Like literally, you know, they all they fail and get killed. And Jamie yeah. gets thrown into the deepest, darkest dungeon. Right. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. And this the, I can understand. The B kind or of, C team. Yeah. It's like the Z team. The Z team. I did want to backtrack if we could for a moment. Um, yeah. I love the, and I did remember this, um, in the previous bit where he's with Cersei, he confirms that... Um, Robert giving Storm's end to Renly was indeed a slight. Yeah. That yeah. it that wasn't it was just, as in, as it, it wasn't, yeah. And um, because I, 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 I've heard it argued that no dragons, um, what the hell? Dragonstone was not, you know, but it, it is, it is a slight. Right. Because, um, yeah, I think Dragonstone was meant, you know, typically meant for the air. So I kind of always thought of it as Robert, you know. And what it was, was that because Robert resented that Stannis let um, Danny, her mother and her brother get away. Um, that his punishment uh, was that he wasn't going to get Storm's End, that he would get stuck with Dragonstone. That seems so. really petty given, you know, that Stannis yeah, held but, Storm's End for yeah, all that Robert- time. Robert it is really petty, petty but I mean, this is Robert. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't think of Robert as petty. Like of all of his of his bad well, characteristics, I think petty he's uh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty petty. Yeah, I feel like I, that fits. Especially because I mean, he was. It was you know, he's so anti-Targaryen because of what happened with Lyanna. Right, but I don't but, know that that's petty. That's like you know, like righteous anger. Yeah, from his I mean, I, I you know. think back to like his scenes with Ned in the first book and what we know about Robert and also the, the quite tortured Baratheon brother dynamics. And it seems kind of par for the course, but I could see him being like, even if he's not super petty, I could see it being like, a stray petty thought that he commits to completely. You know, like he doesn't, he isn't a kind of guy that like backs down from his decisions. So like I could see him in a moment of like hot headed impulse going, no, I'm going to take this away from you. And then he like, can't back away from that later. Yeah. Cause once it's done, I mean, how do you, 
that's the other thing. You're king and you do this stuff. You've got a whole bunch of people watching you. And if you're going to backtrack, you better have a damn good reason. You know, yeah. among all of the books and stories that we could get from George that I would want before Fire and Blood, I have to say that a really short prequel of Stannis in King's Landing having to deal with Littlefinger, Pycelle, and Varys on a regular basis would be really, really fun. That that sounds like a, such a wonderful like sitcom. Oh set yeah, in Westeros situation. Like the small, I, basically the small council, and like how yes. delightful that would be. Like I can just see like the farcical like door comedy action going on, you know, where like Littlefinger pops into a door and then Varys leaves through the next door immediately after, and there's like the whole like dinner theater situation going on. That'd be great. With <laughs> Stannis just grinding his teeth the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep. Grinding him into dust. <laughs> well, speaking of dust, so we finally see Sir Alistair who like breaks uh through in the throne room and approaches Tyrion um because he finally is going to get his audience if Tyrion wants him to have it or not. And um apparently the hand that he brought as proof that there are whites has disintegrated into nothing because he was stuck waiting to talk to Tyrion. Um, and he tells Tyrion, you know, that they need help at the wall, basically, because, um, of all the nightmare of undeath that's happening up there. Um, thoughts on this one? I kind of love that Tyrion manages to work back in the thing about the shrimp fork or whatever it was. (laughs) So did I read this wrong? And I might have, um, my understanding from Sir Alistair is that the hand stopped moving when the flesh dropped off or rotted away. Oh, yeah. So, th- so there can was, be no bone people, or no, there aren't any bone. Well, whites. I mean, because then I was like, okay, so he's got there's the hand is the skeleton part of the hand is there, but it's no longer animate. Or did I misread that? Yeah, because no, I think they, you're, I think you're right, and I think that kills a lot of the you know bones of all the dead of all time rising up to kill everyone. Theory, yeah, yeah. Well, and so does logic, because, like, everybody's been saying, don't you need, like, tendons and stuff to make those bones move? Yeah. 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 So maybe the bones are, like, still imbued, (laughs) but they can't, they don't have anything to, yeah, they're just sitting there, sort of trapped for eternity, Toy Story style, they just can't, like, move. (laughs) That's, like, the saddest thing. Alright, so I it just I don't know why of all the things that just stuck out for me from the chapter, I was like, oh, so basically as long as what, if they were to dissolve all the flesh and acid or something, the army would just fall apart. Yeah, go back. I, I don't battle. know. I was just sort of like, Oh, well that's clearly the solution <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, that can't <laughs> be right. Well, fire. So. I mean, you know, fire burning the flesh, basically. So I guess it all makes sense, kind of. Yeah. I mean, there's much. There's some internal logic, at least. That would be a. That stands out. That's a because it's a, an important like lore piece. Like that's an important puzzle piece, even if maybe it's uh, not supposed to be. Maybe it's a mistake. Maybe it's a little whoopsie doodle. <laughs> yeah, that could be. I don't know. I was just. That's just, believable. I buy it. Well, all right. We've we've found a way to get rid of the whites. It's all good. Now we just have to get that information to the characters. Now we just have to get rid of Sir Alistair. I I mean, it's interesting that Varys, like after this, says, "Oh, Tyrion, you found out a really clever way to, you know, like not let on that you're believing any of this craziness, but to give him some, you know, to send some men up to the wall with him anyway." 
Um, so what did you guys make of it? Because they had kind of Tyrion thinking, oh, there was something weird at the wall. I mean, it's sort of a half-ass measure. Like, he, you know, anything he's doing is not, you know, is not at all helpful, really. He's just sending people up there that are going to, you know, that are cannon fodder, more or less. But, I mean, I don't know what, you know, obviously he's not going to be like, well, based on your words, Sir Alistair, I hereby command all armies to turn north. Like, <laughs> you know, like, that's not going to happen. No. So, I mean, it's kind of the best... Um, you know, frankly, it's the best that Sir Alistair can probably hope from the situation. It's just, you know, Tyrion was being Tyrion gave him what he wanted, but in the most assholeish way possible. Just like you know, Sir Alistair was dealing with with Tyrion as the hand of the king, but in the most assholeish way possible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seems like the watch is is perennially screwed because they are always the last on a long list of anyone in powers like list of stuff they got to deal with. Mm. Yeah. They're never the priority. Well, and they're always like, Oh yeah, we should do something. But right now is not the time. Which right. is why they should be like selling and like, they should be distilling their own stuff and selling it. Like they should be. Hello. Like Girl Scout cookies. Kind of. Yes. But <laughs> I totally wrote a fig where they made their own brandy and shampoo. Right. right. They should do this. <laughs> Just imagining John going door to door, like selling Wall Scout cookies. Well, I mean, Wall Scout I think cookies. When, when I um, when I wrote my fic, I was thinking of like how like a lot of monastic orders, like Benedictine, they brew beer, right? I mean, well, look at like things like there's Benedictine, which is a liqueur that was brewed by an order of monks. Did they you know, sell it, or do they just drink it all themselves? No, no, it was like a product that they marketed, okay. and I think. I mean, I think there's an argument to me made that you got a monastic order, even if they're not at all religious. Yeah. That you are self-sufficient. Um, yeah, like, I think they should be distilling stuff. They probably should be, like, having some craft butter that they're selling. <laughs> imagine, I think like, back then that imagine would not Dolores be a- Ed, like, out in front of a supermarket selling craft butter. <laughs> like, let's... <laughs> I can one hundred. I can actually 100% imagine Ed doing that. <laughs> I think back then it would have to be something um, that would be something that people would actually have a, a need for. And that would not be something like craft butter. It would be something that you would, you know, so stand the test of being shipped or whatever. Liquor. And Yeah. <laughs> there we go. We've solved the problems of the Night's Watch. If only they were making their own booze. <laughs> They just need to get more hipster about it. Um, really, I mean, they're already pretty hipster, so they just need to, like, <laughs> maybe. They're super hipster. I'm just imagining them all with man buns now. <laughs> they're all wearing well, black. They're all, like, morose. And, actually, yeah, they they're never have beards. Yeah. Now I'm reading about Benedictine, which I've never actually tasted. <laughs> I feel like there's herbal... a before it was cool joke in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's an herbal liqueur. With the flavor of sweet honey accented with holiday spices, fruit tones, and an herbal nuance. See, I feel Imagine like brandy mixed with north. gin and sweetened with honey, and you'll have a closer idea of the t- intriguing taste of Benedictine. I can 100% imagine that in the north, and I can 100% imagine George describing that. <laughs> in greater detail. Yes. Probably. Yeah. Well. 
too bad they didn't have us there to come up with this idea that would have solved their problems. It only took us about five minutes. So. Really? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we have this interesting scene with um, Tyrion talking to Littlefinger and Varys because he deceived them both. When was that? Last chapter? Chapter before? Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to kind of uh, have a little talk about it. Littlefinger seems pissed, but Varys really doesn't seem as angry. I feel like Varys, like, even if he is pissed, he knows to never act pissed, you know? Like, he's yeah. he's always going to play it cool and, like he's got a secret up his sleeve because he's actually got 10 secrets up his sleeves. You know, like he's just not going to be phased very easily. Whereas I think Littlefinger has a lot more pride attached to being able to read people or, or what have you, you know, being, being on top of things. And I think Tyrion probably legitimately got one over on him that time. And he was like sulking in the corner. And he did that by making it personal and it was personal for Littlefinger. He was going to benefit yeah. out of it. I mean, Varys yeah. is more of like, he's looking at this, at least at this point, I guess more from a game perspective, whereas Littlefinger, it's very much, it's all about him. Yeah. So like I think Varys, that's, I feel like, yeah, Varys has like some professional respect that he's bringing. Like he sees like that was a, it might oh, piss him off, but there's also like, you know what, me. But yeah. okay, I'll get I'll get you next time. Whereas Peter's like, God damn it, you little imp, you did this, yeah. this, and this to me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Varys is just sort of like soft golf clapping, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so then after this, we have um, the raucous scene of Tyrion catching um, Pycelle in bed with some serving girl and throwing her out and um, then basically having, which one is it? Is it Shaga or Timmit? Yeah. One of them. No, it's Shaga. Off his, is it Shaga? I it was Shaga talking about the sons he would get on her. Oh, oh well, yeah, that, yeah. But I meant cutting off Pycelle's beard. Yeah, well, they, oh, yeah, they have too. to make Shaga, because he's one, the one of them has to threaten off manhoods the and gives them to goats. Oh, that's right. That's right. They don't have yeah. goats to use. Where they got the make do line into the show, didn't they? I remember yeah, that, they right? did. And they got yeah, the scene like of the, the naked pr- the naked girl into the show too. Well, you know, naturally, I mean, of course. Of everything in this chapter, that's what we needed um, the most. Of course, that's what made it. Um, and so you have this whole scene of of Tyrion being really pissed off at Pycelle and basically making him confess to every like treacherous thing he's ever done to anybody on the throne because we even hear how he was you know a traitor to Eris mm-hmm. um, and let's not forget Pycelle becomes incontinent because you know that's always fun to read about <laughs> yeah so, well, that's such a polite way to put it because it's actually as they're trying to grab Pycelle off the bed he just starts pissing everywhere like <laughs> yeah can't control it um yeah, this is interesting. This is so, I, I don't know. We talked about this, what was it, last week or the week before, where it's just like, what's the point of all this, of Tyrion finding this out, and how could he not have known a lot of this anyway, that Pycelle was, you know, in Tywin's pocket and now Cersei's? Yeah, I kind of wondered about it, but I'm assuming it's because, I don't know. It's so, it's weird to me, because I feel like Tyrion has a lot of personal animosity towards Pycelle, and I think he... Although in this chapter he says he mentions how Pycelle was the one that he hopes he would be able to trust he hoped he would be able to trust. But I feel like every action that he's made in the prior chapters and all of his thoughts 
I mean, they kind of show this deep-seated animosity towards Pycelle, and I, I wonder, it's, you know, Pycelle kind of, I feel like, goes where the wind blows in terms of the Lannisters. So, you know, knowing Tywin's feelings towards Tyrion, he was never going to be an ally of Tyrion. And, you know, he's always going to side with Cersei over the two of them. But it sort of made me wish that we saw um, Pycelle more more interaction with Pycelle when Jamie's around. Because, you know, it'd be interesting, does, Py- does Pycelle naturally kind of give an advantage to Jamie over Cersei? Is that the way that he would see that or not? But we never really get into that in Feast mm. at all. Hmm. Yeah. No, we really don't. That would be interesting, though. It kind of disappears for, you know, most of the book, frankly. We well, never maybe. do know what house he came from, do we? I don't think we do. No. There's some crazy conspiracy theories about why he's so loyal to Lannister, isn't there? Which I think amount to just he was a Lannister, which yeah, is I mean, I not the he was, well, thing. I mean, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Barbary Dunstan has a lot in her brief but memorable chapter, or not chapter, but appearance in um, Dance has stuff to say about the Maesters. And she doesn't approve, and part of the reason she doesn't approve is because you don't know where they came from. You don't know their houses and you, you know, she calls them gray rats. And, but I mean, I think the idea is that, yeah, you take their name away, but that doesn't mean they're not still loyal to, you know, whoever they were born to or their family or whatever. And I'm sure that's some commentary on Eamon in an oblique way as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So then we get this, this, and this is probably to the larger series, some of the more interesting information. Um, because we kind of hear a little bit more about how John Aaron died. I mean, I view the whole John Aaron death and that whole mystery that is still dragging out into this book as kind of a MacGuffin anyway. But we we get to find out that Pycelle didn't actually poison John Aaron or is claiming that he didn't. But he does slip in that he knows that <laughs> Cersei's kids are Jamie's, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting. He's a real secret keeper. Yeah. Well, and... <laughs> You know, Tyrion kind of stops him from saying it aloud, um, you know, because yeah. obviously he doesn't want the other people there, the other people there to hear it. Um, you know, it's like God, how the hell does Ty? I mean, Tywin has to know this, right? <sighs> Isn't it sort of just that like Tywin doesn't want to know it, so he doesn't know it, sort of a thing? Like you mean about Cersei and Jaime? Yeah. yeah, like it's it's always just sort of been a he could probably figure out if he wanted to, but since he doesn't like he doesn't want to believe that, so he'll like he just sort of cognitively doesn't process the information. Yeah, so I think that's probably accurate. I hated how they did it on the show because I mean oh, I always me interpret it as he he had to know in a way, and it was like there was no percentage in him ever confronting it. Like emotionally, you're not going to want to deal with that. And then what do you gain from confronting that? Well, and your daughter's committed treason and her kids. I mean, all of that would kill his house. So you, you just don't go there. Yeah. And like, you kind of have to ask yourself, would he mind it that much? Yeah. In a weird way. Oh, I think he would. Do you really think think he would mind it? It would just mean that it would mean whoever was on the throne was 100% Tywin. I think my interpretation of it is he would see the political dangers of that information getting out. And oh, yeah. because it would potentially put his house at risk, he would hate it. And also, yeah. it would also mean a failure of him and being the head of his household. I think yeah, he would it, mind. It would have been like, 
It would have been like he produced. Yeah, I'm not. One, I'm not saying he'd be thrilled about the danger, do. but he like made, the reality of it being his, like entirely, like 100 percent his grandchild on the throne. Do you really think he'd mind that yeah, that much? I do. I think he would. I think because he sees these people, they're his family, but I think he sees most of them, with the possible exception of Jamie, as they are pieces. They're, he wants these people to be doing what the hell he wants them to be doing. And he gets pissed at people when they're not. And Cersei going off and banging her brother and producing three, not just one, but three um, bastards, I think is very much, you know, pieces doing what they're not supposed to be doing and jeopardizing his game. And it's also, um, he would have then produced... Not one, not two, but three abominations, like every single one of his children. You know, Cersei and Jamie are perfect, but they would have, in uh, engaging in incest, would have become as much abominations as Tyrion, Tyrion. is. So, like, all of his kids are crap in his eyes if he well, accepts would he that be they start- did this. Would he be starting to think, like, oh, well, maybe they're really Aerys kids. Maybe, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I still uh, want that to be true, but that's just I, me. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think he, for those reasons, I mean, I just think he must have known, didn't want to go there, wasn't capable of going there, and would have been pissed as, as all hell. He probably would have, I mean, I know when you look, think of his relationship with Jamie, which is the best of the three, I mean, it's the most positive, but I mean. <laughs> that's really sad. But I mean, when it gets to the point where he finally shows up in King's Landing to take over and, you know, clean up the John Kelly, oh, God of Joffrey's. Sorry. Um, Oh, my God. He is, though. I mean, he's the guy who's going to come up. He's going to clean up the mess, but he's dealing with a crazy narcissist. But with with um, Cersei, I mean, once it gets to a point where he's like, "Okay, you're going to get married. I'm going to marry you off to these people. You have a choice. I mean, it's very much. You're going to pay for this mess. I think he's got to know. And I don't, I don't see how he could not about know. It. Maybe at On the back some of level. his head. But yeah, I don't think I he'd be happy. It. He's just, it's like a subconscious. He knows, but he doesn't ever like let it surface. Yeah. And so that ends the chapter. Does anybody have anything else to share? There are a couple of minor things that I thought. I mean, they... They put to rest the minor mystery of was Robin supposed to be sent to Dragonstone or to Tywin, which I almost forgot about until I was reading it going, oh, okay, there's confirmation there. Mm. Yeah, to Dragonstone. Which, I mean, would make more sense, but obviously never going to (laughs) happen. There are fanfics of it. Really? Yeah, of Robin getting fostered by Stannis. Why? Well, that would have because there are people who like to write that shit. I, I mean, it, I've read a couple good ones. Imagine how mean he would be to Robin. <laughs> eh, I mean, there, there's some where it, it kind of like I seem to recall one or two where it really doesn't make much of a difference because I mean, Robin is Robin, but a few where, I mean, it, mostly from the perspective of that you get Robin away from his overprotective. Uh, nursing mother and you know he might stand a chance of being normal but I think those people ignore all the other problems Robin has. Well the epilepsy would still be an issue. Yeah. 
that alone. Oh, no, that's that's caused by an overbearing mother. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I think the I'm a little salty about this. that sometimes. Uh, I don't know. Anything I was else? funny how much of this chapter I had totally forgotten about. And yeah, I don't think it's I, I it's memorable. I think it's just there was so much other stuff going on. Yeah, it's one yeah, of those really politics heavy stuff. things. It's, it's one of those chapters that just like throws a whole lot of information at you, so you get busy like processing it, and you don't necessarily... Like, you get distracted by trying to follow everything, and you don't necessarily pay attention to the littler stuff. Yeah. Now compare this to a feast or dance chapter. Go. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, George. <laughs> there'd be, instead of just a description of Cersei wearing the fabric she was wearing, there'd be a five-page description <laughs> of the cut of the gown, followed by a really long discussion about what they were eating in the room. There you go. <laughs> no, it would just take Tyrion two chapters to make it to her chamber. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, God. Okay, anything else, guys? Well, we've got some mail if we want to head over there. Yeah, let's do it. Go for it. Okay, we've got a message from Mercedine on Reddit, and she says... Hi, ladies. I'm a longtime listener, and I just wanted to say how much I love the podcast and how much I've enjoyed the Tyrion chapters and your recent feminism episode. Your discussions are consistently insightful and really fun to listen to, and you provide a different and much-needed perspective on A Song of Ice and Fire. Thank you for that, and congratulations on reaching your 200th episode. Yay! Someone remembered! Yeah, you remembered! Um, Theon Grey King on Tumblr says... And just as an aside, I really wanted to name my cat Theon Grey Cat. Or no, Theon Grey Boy is what his name was going to be, but I didn't. (laughs) Um, Anyway, (laughs) congratulations on your 200th episode, ladies. I have stumbled upon this podcast a little over a year ago, and I have been hooked ever since. You have made many a bus ride a million times more interesting and helped me release some pinned-up aggression about the show and GRRM through you. (laughs) May another hundred episodes and more be in the making. Oh, God. God. (laughs) And may the winds of winter be part of those episodes. And may you enjoy making them. Except the show episodes. Just power through them. (laughs) Keep up the good work. (laughs) Um, We have a really, we had a really nice email from Crystal Rose 29. And she says, hey there, ladies and the occasional guys. I just finished listening to your latest podcast on feminism and wanted to say bravo. It was very timely, especially since I was listening to it the day after the Golden Globes and their Time's Up movement. Did you mean to do that? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just happy coincidence. Had it in the works for a long time. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah, yeah but obviously the release date, we yeah. couldn't have predicted that. Um, it was weirdly timely, but it was in the yeah. works for like six months. <laughs> right. <laughs> She says, I love you chicks and your podcast so much. I may not always agree with you, but I respect your intelligence and enjoy your thought-provoking comments. Comma, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> and she, you. this is a pretty long one. Um, she says, I have some thoughts that I wanted to share with you. I'm going to try to keep this brief. I've been meaning to write to you for some time, so I have a lot saved up. Number one, books versus show. She says, I'm not as critical of the show as you guys are. 
I loved the first three books in A Song of Ice and Fire, but I felt that George went a little off quality with Feast and especially Dance. He just keeps adding character, storylines, and locations. It's become a bloated, meandering story. Half the chapters can be skipped and or shortened. And now it seems that he's lost his focus completely, or maybe written himself so many loose ends he'll never tie them up. I'll be very surprised when we get wins, and I don't think we'll ever, ever see a dream of spring. While the TV show does have a lot of issues, season five was unwatchable. They're at least trying to give us closure. I agree with you on a lot of your on your criticisms of Game of Thrones. I do not like what they've done with Jamie and Brienne. Jamie deserves to be so much more than his sister's man whore. I think that <laughs> they could have spared us the John Danny Targsest. Last season's Arya Sansa Littlefinger storyline was maddening. But at least we're getting an end of the story. It may not be the ending that we like, but it's an ending. What if Tolkien had just decided to stop writing the Lord of the Rings series after the Two Towers? I'm really, really mad at George for not finishing the books, and I think the TV show would have been much stronger if he had. I mean, you know, I'm going to watch the show, just, you know, I, I want that ending. So I kind of agree with her, agree with her there. I don't think I yeah I, I think she may I think she may not notice how much we actually say exactly those same things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we're all happy to get some sort of ending. Yeah. I mean, for Jamie and Brienne, I especially wish it were not from the show, yep. but I mean, I think we're glad to have something, some kind of closure. Dear God, that's so weird. I had a dream the other night. Oh, I shouldn't even say this. I had oh, a no, dream the it. other night. <laughs> I had a dream the other night that um that Jamie died on Game of Thrones without them becoming canon. And in fact, Brienne was already dead and she came back as a ghost to like hold his, his hand as he died. But it was, that was it. There was no canon. There was nothing. And I was so mad. God, don't. So anyway. <laughs> okay. So okay. No- <laughs> thank you, Chicky. So well, that was, <laughs> that's yeah. my share for the week. <laughs> I mean, it's not, I don't think you're wrong. Um, so number two, she says, you know, I'm a Danny fan. However, I had a realization watching a documentary on British monarchs that George has written the Targ's claim to the Iron Throne to be godlike. This is very similar to the royals in medieval times. They believe that they were the rightful ruler, rulers empowered by God to have the throne and be the head of the Church of England. I see a similarity between the, that belief and Danny's belief that she is blood of the dragon and meant to be queen by blood and by her otherworldly status. Stannis did the same thing. He believed that he was sent by Rilor to be the rightful king. I know that George borrowed heavily from history, but did he have to borrow that one? Um, what do you guys think about this? Like, Well, I think that's all monarchs ever. I mean, it really doesn't matter their religion. Yeah, they always claim right. it's because of God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look at England. I mean, that. I mean, that's divine right of kings right there. I think that's fairly standard. Yeah, I don't feel like... Um... I mean, any kind of medieval fantasy thing doesn't generally go into uh, the civil policy and how it doesn't go real well for anyone that doesn't own land in that society. Like, it's not, you know, I feel like every single video game I've ever played has, you know, the good king and or queen that's just there, and they're the good one. And I don't know that George is going to, I don't feel like he's saying that that's the right way to go. I guess I'm a little confused about why she's upset that that was included because it's fairly standard medieval, like not just medieval. I think that's yeah. fairly standard for a lot of ancient societies. Well, like, well, no, I mean like I mean like medieval fantasy fiction. 
you know, well, yeah, yeah. including it as a trope. And I think yeah. one of the things that, you know, by the by the end of dance that George is getting at is this question of, um, you know, what it, what does it mean to deserve to be a ruler when you have, you know, I'm just thinking of Varys' big speech about Egan and, you know, all the shit that they had him do to prepare to be a leader and then, like, the actual kind of baptisms of fire that he's put John and Danny through. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Stannis, frankly, you know, Stannis kind of has that realization of, you know, the, his being the rightful king versus being the king um, by deed, you know. So and then we have that some of that. We also have that contrasted with you look at the watch where they elect their leader and you look at um, the free folk and you look right. how they elect their leader. I mean, I think it's something he's interested in exploring. And, uh, and Danny edges toward a more sort of mm, uh, edges very so, slightly toward a more democratic mindset when she leaves the doesn't she leave like a council of people in charge behind her at some point in one of the places that she visits and then, Maybe. and then the one dude, didn't they have one anyway well yeah and then the one Before. dude kills them all yeah. Well, she tries, is what I'm saying. Is that she's like somewhere <laughs> in her brain, she's like, maybe people should have a vote, and I shouldn't just leave one of these idiots in charge. Maybe you know, if I leave enough idiots in charge, they'll even each other out, and you'll end up with an okay result. Well, I mean, Danny and, is and to me it doesn't work, but I mean, Danny to me is kind of the successor to Egg in that, you know, she if. If there was no, if there was no agon, if there was no knight, if there are no others, if there's nothing else, if it was just her going for the throne, I think she's kind of counting on, in some sense, on being the champion of the small folk versus the great, you know, the great lords that fought against her family, frankly. So, you know, I think yeah. that that's kind of where she would be if that's, if that simple of a scenario is going to happen, except that that scenario is not going to happen. So it sort of you know, it's kind of irrelevant, but yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think like what Chicky said, it's something that he's interested, you know, he's interested in exploring of, you know, what makes you deserve a throne. And as much as I hate the show, I think there's, uh, in this last season, Varys and Dan Daenerys had this, had that conversation about him being loyal to like the office and not her, which I thought was good in a way that I felt like might have been a bullet point that's going to come up in the books if they ever come out, you know, like, mm. so there's, well, I that think Varys is not is, divine right. I think that's, Varys is you know, a Targaryen Blackfire scuzzbag. Like, I don't feel like, I don't, like, he's <laughs> hey, blowing, you about my man Varys. He's blowing smoke about Egan, but really he's just, he's substituting his own house loyalty for someone else's. He's not yeah. for the realm. He's for his chosen candidate. I mean, I think he thinks that. Well, I think he thinks what he's saying, but yeah. Well, I mean, he kills yeah. Kevin explicitly because Kevin's doing a good job. Yeah, I mean, I, I we've had this conversation. I think I know. he's scum. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, I think I'm persuaded to the idea that Barris believes the crap he's saying. Oh, yeah, I do. I think he does, too. I, I mean, a I lot of them do. I mean, we contain multi-dogs. Like, it, you know, it can be ambition, which it is with Danny, and nobody's going to convince me otherwise. 
But it can also be, you know, thinking that you can make a better way, which it also is with Danny. Well, and then you um, got people like Little Flinger who will say anything to get ahead and he doesn't mean any of it. I mean, yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, it can be many things behind, you know, and there's also reality and then there's the story you tell yourself, you know, about yeah. things and that's a whole other thing. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think the the divine right of kings and it's like either people who uh, end up in power say that God wanted them there or the gods wanted them there or they declare themselves a god. Um, you know, it's always some. I would go for the latter. Right. I think, <laughs> like, just go straight <laughs> for it. I'm a golden yeah. god. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got one final message. Um, we actually got a message from Jessica, and that's on our Facebook page. Which, hey, we have a Facebook page, um, <laughs> and apparently we get messages on it. Um, she says. <laughs> Kama, I feel like this, I'm so happy you're on this episode because this is, like, perfect for you. Um, Hey, guys. I'm listening to A Song of Ice and Feminism, and I'm I'm really enjoying the discussion. Regarding the existence of birth control but lack of prenatal care, I wanted to offer my two cents as a medieval historian. Although this comes across as lazy world-building from George, this is actually very accurate. A substance like moon tea existed and was used widely in the Middle Ages, and before and after, as a menstrual regulator, basically an abortifacient. Is that how I say mm-hmm. it? Uh, abortifacient. Um, oh, is it? Oh, that, I thought it was abortifacient. Okay. Yeah, I think it's that. Abortifacient. That I'm not sure. That was viewed I as can contra- spell it, though. <laughs> that was viewed as contraception because they thought life began at birth and not before. It was effective but could result in death, neurological damage, or madness. Hello, Liza. Uh, one of the key ingredients, uh, as George mentions through Liza's tragic backstory, was tansy. Um, Mm. Midwives certainly existed, but were not always trusted for a number of reasons. Misogyny, yes, but they were often so overworked that they were known to cause deaths by forcing the infants out too soon. The idea that contraception was more advanced than pregnancy care is absolutely correct. About 50% of women could expect to die during or as a a result of childbirth, so that would explain the lack of middle-aged women. I'm going to stop right here, though. It would explain the lack of, like, 50% of middle-aged women, not the lack of, like, 90%. So I still am going (laughs) to point my finger about that one. Um, She goes on. It's also worth noting that childhood was not seen as as we view it now, and girls Mm -hmm. were considered women the moment they started menstruating. So that cutoff between childhood and adulthood really was that stark, no pun intended. I don't honestly think using these details comes from any subconscious misogyny on George's part. It's all just very historically accurate. Thanks for the great show. I love hearing your take, especially because you're Jamie and Brienne Shippers. Keep up the great work, and I look forward to hearing more. Um, she has a P.S. If you want to know more about medieval courtship, marriage, and contraception, I'm more than happy to answer any questions you have. I also have a blog that deals with that, and this is like my favorite URL of all time. It's dirtysexyhistory.com. So um, I think we'll <laughs> I probably – I know. That's great. So we'll try to add that into um, into one of the, the Tumblr and Twitter posts for this episode too. So it was a uh, – a great message, and it's sort of super intimidating that there are medieval historians listening to the show. No, but that's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, I mean, I I fully acknowledge that half the time I have no idea what I'm saying. I mean, it sounds reasonable, and I read some stuff somewhere, but that doesn't mean I, like... <laughs> Furiously Googling during the episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean I'm, like, learned about some of this stuff. 
And I'm pretty sure everyone else probably feels, you know, similar, similar. I can't even pronounce that feels the same. I did want to say one thing I, and I'm guessing this is why you, you, you said my name with this Kyle, but, um, there are, and we had a conversation on Twitter following the feminism episode, because there are a couple of middle-aged women who do show up. Right. Um, the most notable is Barbary Dunstan, who I think is quite remarkable because she, I mean, she's in charge of um, House Dunstan, even though her husband died like, what, 15, you know, 20 years ago. No, probably 15 years ago, and she doesn't have a son or any other child, but she's in charge and everybody follows her without question. And that's a big anomaly. Um, and then you've got characters like Lady Smallwood um, and also poor Lady Hornwood, who is in the same boat as Barbary Dunstan, but really suffers like immediately because of that. I mean, yeah. could you imagine if they had tr- if they had tried to marry Barbie Dustin off to Ramsey? She would eat oh him my alive. God. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I hope so. Solve a lot yeah. of people's problems. Yeah, I mean, honestly, she would. She would, you know, he'd try something with her and she would immediately have him killed. Well, I mean, it's not just like her husband just didn't die like a year ago or six right. months ago. No, he died with Ned. You know, he was with Ned at right. the Tower of Joy. Rob is what, 16? Right. So 15? he's been gone like. At it, least that. So, you know, you can whatever, kind of. <laughs> however right. long it's taken from a Game of Thrones to dance. And right. he had no errors. And yet she's in charge and there's no move by anybody I mean, you kind of that we know of to 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 unseat her. You know, it's sort of like the same scenario as with you know Ned and Cat, except you know, so they probably married you know, frankly, probably very close in time to Ned and Cat. Oh yeah, I think so because um, she just you know, Barbie just didn't get pregnant or you know didn't have a you know a successful pregnancy like Cat did, and you know that was it. She never you know she was married. She probably spent like a couple weeks with him and never saw him again. And, you know, they're, you know, like, it's still bitter that she never got his bones back from the Tower of Joy, even. Like, there's some, you know, it, well, and she kind of has an to be pretty close. relationship between them. It has to be pretty close because she and Brandon were a thing. Right. And her father wanted to marry, marry her off to Brandon, but that wasn't going to happen. And Brandon was uh, then betrothed to Catelyn. And then the father thought of betrothing her to Ned Stark, which, you know, wow. But and then because also, she he married him alive. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, I don't know. It might have been. Who knows? But because of that, they are definitely close in time. But she not only is she in charge of House Dunst, Dustin and everybody's doing what she says, she has Roos's respect, which has to mean something because that man, you know. Well, I mean, there she's a sister in law. And yeah, but she I mean, fostered his, you know, she fostered his son. So, I mean, uh, but again, yeah, she has his respect and I don't think he gives that lightly, but she is an anomaly. There are yeah. not many and her and I mean, well, Elena's got at least a generation on her, if not more. And I don't think you can call Elena middle-aged. No, no. I mean, she yeah. was going to get married to one of Dunks or to one of Egg's kids. So she's a bit quite yeah. a older. And then you have you do have Celise um, Baratheon or Celise Florent, however you want to style her, 
And she does have some power. I mean, they Davos talks quite a bit about the Queen's men. She's got half of Dragonstone is following her. I mean, she's yes. loyal to Stannis, but they're her men. So she does have some power. But unlike Cersei or a lot of the other women, she is not beautiful either. She falls into the sort of Lysa Aaron, you know, she isn't attractive, so she must be evil, you know, school of fandom. But How else are you supposed to tell if someone's evil? (laughs) And that is a very medieval way of looking at people. It's weird that they never, that Brienne never gets, like, called evil, you know? Like, she must be, like, so ugly that she's beyond, like, you know... Beyond she's all that, that evil. When is she called evil? Well, they literally think that she killed Renly. Well, yeah, because of... but that's because not because she's ugly, because she killed. To be <laughs> fair, yeah, that like that's a pretty reasonable thing to walk like what those guys walked in on. That would be a pretty reasonable conclusion, you know. In the it was a shadow, sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you gotta give them. I mean, here's this woman who has defeated what Loras in in like a tournament or whatever. <laughs> Like, you walk in on Carnage. So, yeah, I could see why they might think that. I I mean, I'd be worried about them if they immediately went, ah, Shadow Baby, that must have been it. That would have been a weird thing for them to think, so. I think it's great people are sending us mail again. I know, it's exciting. Please send more. Yeah, please do. Um, Maybe if we get to 201 episodes, which I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. Seeming doubtful at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling that way to me. Okay. <laughs> so, um, if you want to send us some comments, um, we are still close the door and come here um, at Tumblr. Um, we are close the door end at Gmail. Is that right? That's right. Gonna... Okay. All right. Um, we are at door podcast on twitter okay so on patreon we are uh patreon.com forward slash close the door i think something like that it's linked on our tumblr um and we appreciate our patrons so much thank you to all of you because you have helped out with the last 150 episodes worth of hosting which has been amazing um and then so guile said we're close the door and come here on facebook that's right Okay, I hope that's everything. We need a lot for this stuff. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. Anyway, uh, thanks for the last 200 episodes. Um, maybe there'll be another one. We'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, good night, everybody. Night. Good night. Night, bye. Night. <laughs>